Hey, it's Will Friedle. And Sabrina Bryan. And we're the hosts of the new podcast, Magical Rewind. You may know us from some of your favorite childhood TV movies like My Date with the President's Daughter. And the Cheetah Girls movies. Together we're sitting down to watch all the movies you grew up with and chat with some of your favorite stars and crew that made these iconic movies happen. So kick back, grab your popcorn, and join us. Listen to Magical Rewind on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Brought to you by State Farm. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Hey everyone, it's Ted from Consumer Cellular, the guy in the orange sweater, and this is your wake-up call. If you're paying too much for wireless service, you don't have to keep having that nightmare. Consumer Cellular has the same fast, reliable coverage as the leading carriers for up to half the cost. So why keep spending more than you have to? Seriously, wake up! And call 1-888-FREEDOM or visit ConsumerCellular.com. Savings based on cost of Consumer Cellular single line 1, 5, and 10 gig data plans with unlimited talk and text compared to lowest cost single line postpaid unlimited talk text and data plans offered by T-Mobile and Verizon January 2024. Hey, have you ever used Cheapo Air? For years, and I really like it. With Cheapo Air, you can book online, use their app, or even over the phone. They've got great prices on over 500 airlines and millions of accommodations. They're my go-to for travel planning. And if you join their Club Miles program, you can earn points to save on the cost of your travel. Book on the app and you get double points. Sounds like it's time I tried Cheapo Air. Call Cheapo Air at 855-247-3279 or visit CheapoAir.com slash podcast. Up next, Out Loud with John O'Caldwell, part of the Gingrich 360 Network. Conservatives like to say the mainstream media is biased, but at this point, it's completely outdated to refer to the media's quote-unquote liberal biases. Because we're no longer merely dealing with biased journalists, now we have some members of the mainstream media who are Democrats with press passes openly pushing a partisan agenda. And as a result, fake news has become mainstream. This is Out Loud with Gianno Caldwell. Welcome back to Out Loud with Gianno Caldwell. I got an exciting show for you guys this week. My guest is the one and only Harris Faulkner, a six-time Emmy Award-winning journalist. And when I say journalist, I mean real journalist, big J journalist. You can see Faulkner each week on the Fox News channel hosting both the Faulkner Focus and Outnumbered. Faulkner, who grew up in a military family, is also a best-selling author of the Nine Rules of Engagement, A Military's Brat's Guide to Life and Success, which came out in 2018. Today, Faulkner and I talk about the integrity of the press, fake news at its worst, and the state of journalism. Let's go. Wow. You know what? I've never heard your voice on podcasts. <laughs> my heart rate has now gone down. Oh, wow. <laughs> I'm so honored to have you here. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to be with you. <laughs> no, no. I mean, it's, it's really an honor. And I mean, you're, you're just a veteran, that one that a lot of us respect, whether you be young or old. You're somebody that we all look up to and, and hope to do as good of a job as you, which we know is nearly impossible. But, you know, one can hope. In preparation. Absolutely. Now, I think what's interesting is a lot of people may not know what roots you came from from before you joined Fox News Channel. A lot of people just kind of think you you joined at Fox, but you have a long history of journalistic journalistic experience starting at the local level. Can you walk people through your background? Well, sure. I mean, I started out in a very small market, Greenville, Washington, New Bern. In that market, it was mainly known for East Carolina University. It was a very small town that I was in, home of New Center 9, CBS <laughs> in Eastern Carolina. Um, 
I'm trying to do my best, Gianna. <laughs> You're doing great. You know, we were also known for, unfortunately, um, pretty deadly hurricanes in that area and different types of, of crime that would make national news. Like my very first day on the job, my news director, Roy Hardy, he was always clearing his throat, the sweetest old man, but he had a sick sense of humor. And he said, well, we're going to cut your teeth today. <laughs> We've got either the KKK rally oh, wow. or, okay. <laughs> or we, we have a man holding people hostage at East Carolina University. We, we think there's like some familiarity, maybe a spouse or a girlfriend or something. They're in the admissions office. Shots fired. And he looks around the newsroom and I've got my back to everybody because I'm facing him. My first opportunity to work, Gianna, they put me on some, some milk crates. So there I am. <laughs> and uh, I'm a milk crate looking at the news director with everybody else behind me at a desk. And I don't know what the hand signals were or whatever, but they chose that hostage situation for me in a bright pink suit, suit much like I'm wearing this dress today. I had a, a pair of heels and uh, Kevin O'Brien, he was he passed recently. He changed so many careers. He was, he was so good with reporters and honing us for the rest of our careers. And he came over and he was always eating. He always had like a long sandwich. His car always had food in it. <laughs> and he came over and he was eating his sub. And he goes, Harris, what kind of a name is that? And I said, well, you are a boy. And he said, ah, well, look at you. You look like a bottle of Pepto-Bismol. <laughs> oh, wow. And I said, really? And he goes, those shoes, though, that's, I don't, I don't know. You can wear those heels. I mean, it's potentially a killing scene. That's okay. Let's roll. So we get in his old station wagon with the panel doors. I mean, the station didn't have a lot of money, so our news vehicles look like leftovers from the Brady Bunch. <laughs> so we get to the scene, and there's national media there. Because, I mean, East Carolina University is a huge school. And CBS has come from Raleigh, and everybody's there. And because our team had gotten there, and they were switching, like, <laughs> another reporter who'd been there since early that morning out with me and someone said who's that kevin goes that's a new girl are we calling them girls now (laughs) (laughs) oh my lordy lordy (laughs) right and so i do my my first live hit ever in my career in my life and uh shots fired again and kevin kevin walks over and he goes i got a call from the newsroom Apparently there was somebody out here with a BB gun. And I was like, really? And he goes, yeah, they're hearing a clicking noise. I was like, oh, do you think they're close to us? And he goes, oh, I think they're mighty close. <laughs> so I was so nervous that the little rubber plastic things on the back of your heels had worn out on my shoes and the metal was clicking on the cement. Oh. Because my legs were shaking. And the multi-directional mic that he had on his camera and my, my handheld, apparently something was picking it up. And it was like... The whole time I was talking and he goes, I don't know if your feet know Morris code, but can you take those things off? <laughs> right. So there I stood barefoot now, the new girl over 18. <laughs> <laughs> and um, the evening news took a couple of my hits because CBS couldn't get as close as we were. Mm. Baptism under fire, there began my breaking news career. And by that night, I had done probably for different affiliates around the country, probably 30, 40 live hits. What? And how old were you at this point? Uh, 24. 24, first time live hit, and you're national. 
in a local market. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I wish I could see see some of that coverage. I, I'm sure it, just outstanding. Oh, just pictures of me on the internet. First of all, the hair arrived before I did. <laughs> 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 and um, but I, I will tell you that three days later, I did get sent to that KKK rally. And uh, the news director then figured out that I was a serious person. And he came over and he said, you know, I, I know it's only been a couple days, but I kind of like you. I'm kind of growing affectionate of your work ethic. Mm. He said, I, I, I'm sending you to that KKK rally because they had changed because of the weather and got a different permit or something. And now he's just landing planes on my head because I don't know what the heck he's talking about because my eyes are this big. Um, well, no one can see us because we're on. Right, I know. It's audio only. <laughs> it looks like a cartoon character where the cat's tail gets stepped on and their eyes get real big. Yes. That's me. And I said, well, what do you want me to do with the rally? He goes, I want you to stay alive. Yes. And I'm like, is that a joke? And he goes, no. He said, you know, the last couple of reporters we've sent, you know, they, they came back. They weren't sure if they wanted to do this as a career. And he said, but I'm not sending you with some kind of a test. It's going on and it's part of what we do and we're gonna cover it and it's free speech and they have a permit. A couple of suggestions. Don't talk when people talk. If you ask somebody a question, you need to listen. And I said, why did the KKK not like to be interrupted? He goes, no, these are like lifetime suggestions. <laughs> okay. Lifetime suggestions. <laughs> I didn't know, you know. I was so young. And, and I said, well, what's the other suggestion that you have for me, Mr. Hardy? And he said, I want you to be as good every day as you were on that campus. I want you to stay focused and to know what should be in your focus. And I said all those years ago that if I ever got my own show named after me, it would have that word in it. And it's taken me a quarter century to get here. And I have the Faulkner Focus weekdays at 11 a.m. on the East Coast. And now we have the Faulkner Focus, as you said, weekdays, 11 a.m. on the East Coast. And you also host and actually the veteran centerpiece host of Outnumbered at 12 Noon. How is that to have these two hours, which you've been having two hours for some time now, but just to go from your show to Outnumbered and, and to be talking about these news stories on a day-to-day -day basis? You know, gosh, when I hear people say blessed beyond measure, I always wonder whether or not um, people really understand the meaning of those words. Hmm. And in the past year, I think I've done 11 pandemic specials, a couple of them prime time. Blessed to do a job and work for a corporation where they are never offended by me talking about my faith times. Hmm. And we know we've had some as a country. I don't prophesize on the air. But I, when, when people ask me directly, how do you account for your success? I say, there, but by the grace of God, go I. Amen. Um, and beyond measure, because I didn't see all of it coming. Some of it I didn't even ask for. Some of it isn't exactly what I did ask for. It's right on time and it's by design. And so every day I look at those two shows, the Faulkner Focus and Outnumbered as God's blessing uh, my path. Mm. I mean, 
he has expectations for me and I have purpose in my life and I'm supposed to do the very best I can for both of those categories to meet the expectations that the good Lord has set for me which is to do my work with integrity and honesty and respect for others um, with a little sense of humor sparkled in because I think that's what he wants me to be and that is such I mean you told some really great stories but Speaking of what's expected of you and mentioning integrity, and that's one of the reasons why I wanted to speak with you today to talk about the integrity of the press, uh, fake news at its worst, and the state of journalism, which um, a lot of people have said journalism isn't the journalism of your your days um, back when you were in local television. Things have really changed uh, for a lot of people, and for years, a lot of people, especially conservatives, have criticized the mainstream media for its quote-unquote liberal bias, but liberal bias implies journalists are still doing their basic jobs of reporting the news just to some degree of bias and slanted coverage. Today, however, it seems we've gone from biased journalists to, in some cases, partisans, Democrats with press passes, openly pushing a political agenda, no longer even pretending to report the facts. What do you think of that assessment as people have been talking about that, whether it be on Fox News Channel or anywhere else? Well, Gianno, I think you hit the nail on the head. Uh, We are on a journey. And as we move through what I like to say from adventure to adventure, uh, we're going to someplace along the way we've never been before. Uh, And is it the best place to be? Well, I wish it were just bias, but I see hate as a black, woman in media, I see articles dedicated to why did they leave her out when they mention Emmy award-winning journalists, Mm. major publications, major broadcasts, what I call the alphabet soup networks, ABC, CBS, NBC. I I don't get offended because it's been the course for my entire career. I'm not what everybody thought I was going to be. And for some, I'm not black enough. I you know, I want both sides of the story, but I want all sides of the story because they're not, they're normally not just two. Um, I want the exclusive video that really shows what happened at the police shooting of Makai Ryan. I want that one. I want the one from the neighbor on top of the garage, mm-hmm. not just the one we're being fed to the media by someone's cell phone or whatever. I want the whole spherical look at things. And then I want the space and the grace uh, to ask the good questions and not to grade the answers. I want to stand in the space that is so divided as a nation right now and hear from everybody. And I thank Roy Hardy for starting me out with a KKK rally because some of the best interviews I've ever done in my career, you know, not everybody had a cell phone back then. So try to find that three quarter inch tape that, that weighs, you know, as much as my first child of birth. <laughs> um, but they were listened to because I took his advice. And when I asked a question, they talked to me, they knew who they were talking to. I mean, I've never been anything but black, so right. I think they thought it was different at the rally. But I, I take those experiences into today where we're so divided and the, the word racism has dropped everywhere. And I see reporters back to the point of your question. I see reporters not even resisting saying, well, that's a quote or, you know, I, I see them getting involved in the protests. I see them like I, I'm I want to say that that's not what's happening. But when I listen to their words, 
I hear that, that even the violent protesters have a right to space and to, they're quoting the mayors and the, and, and the leadership in certain cities where things have broken off and gotten violent, but they're not going to those offices and demanding answers. Who's advocating for the business owners? Like, I see this on my shows and on Fox, but I don't see that everywhere. Yeah, that's true. Media. So what I take it to mean, if you're not willing to go get the whole truth, you must be complicit in the half-truth. And I don't like going there, so don't drag me. So if you want to leave me out of stuff, as much as I you know, respect and appreciate, why didn't you give an award to Harris Faulkner? Because um, I, don't, I don't follow a narrative. I'm too busy trying to figure out what's actually going on and talking with people who may not agree with each other, but it's important to talk to all sides. You know, and, and we're in a space now where we have a president who says, I've been told not to take questions. Jen Psaki, the White House press secretary this week. Well, we'd rather he didn't. Really? <laughs> well, we'd rather he did. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. After that pipeline debacle of millions of people and gas shortage situations across more than a dozen states, um, a reporter asked, so Mr. President, were you aware that the private corporation Colonial took a $5 million pot of cash and gave it to the Russian hackers as ransom? Now, you know what that means, Gianna. If one company does it, 50 will do it. Right. Maybe they already have been. So he had already walked away because he was—he took two questions, two or three questions. He was, oh, you know, I'm not saying anymore. He's, you know. He's going to need a Benadryl for the allergy he has to taking press questions. So he comes back to the microphone and just to lean in and say, uh, I have no comment. I would have followed up with, is your comment that you don't know the answer or is your comment that you can't say the answer? Shout it if you have to. Let him talk to you as he walks away. Make it harder and harder and harder to be ignored as a press. Because we only have one role to serve the American people with great questions. We have one job. Now, I do love hair and makeup. No, but that's not my job. (laughs) (laughs) I even put some on for this podcast. No, no, I appreciate that. Before we move on, let's take a quick break. Back in a second. Hey everyone, it's Ted from Consumer Cellular, the guy in the orange sweater, and this is your wake-up call. If you're paying too much for wireless service, you don't have to keep having that nightmare. Consumer Cellular has the same fast, reliable coverage as the leading carriers for less. And for a limited time, new customers receive their second month free when they sign up and use promo code MONTHFREE by May 31st. So why keep spending more than you have to? Seriously, wake up and call 1-888-FREEDOM or visit ConsumerCellular.com. Taxes, fees, and other third-party charges will apply. See website for additional details. Like many of us, you might think identity theft will never happen to you. But consider this. There's a new identity theft victim every three seconds in the U.S. That's over 15 million people by the end of this year, equal to the populations of New York, Los Angeles, and Chicago combined. Even worse, identity theft victims often don't even know they're victims. That's why LifeLock Identity Theft Protection alerts you to identity threats even the ones that don't show up on a credit report, like data breaches, fraudulent bank transactions, loan and credit card applications, and crimes committed in your name. 
If your identity is stolen, your own dedicated LifeLock U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. LifeLock protects you in ways that you simply can't on your own. Join now and save up to 25% your first year at lifelock.com slash news. That's lifelock.com slash news to save up to 25%. Identity theft protection starts here. Good sleep should come naturally, and with the new Natural Hybrid mattress, it can. A collaboration between award-winning mattress brand Lisa and home design favorite West Elm, the Natural Hybrid is the culmination of these two companies' shared values. Premium materials, meticulous craftsmanship, and sustainable practices. Made with natural latex, responsibly sourced natural wool, and environmentally safe foams, the Natural Hybrid elevates your sleep sanctuary. Indulge your senses and supports a greener tomorrow. Plus, when you purchase the natural hybrid, you're also helping fuel Lisa's work with shelters and those in need. Since 2015, Lisa has donated more than 40,000 mattresses to ensure children and families have a safe place to sleep. Don't put off a good night's sleep any longer. Get a Lisa mattress today for a sound sleep tonight. Visit lisa.com slash iHeart. That's l-e-e-s-a dot com slash iHeart. Sounds like you're giving career advice to a lot of those activist reporters out there. And that, that brings me to my next question, because you you mentioned something that I think people really, especially those who are in the press, those who work in, in our industry. During the Trump era, we saw a slew of news reports saying that Trump bashed our military, colluded with Russia and so on. Many of these reports had to be corrected or even retracted. I want to go over a couple of specific ones with you in a moment. But before then, pretty much all of these reports relied exclusively on anonymous sources. As a journalist, what do you think about the use of anonymous sources in reporting? Is it too easily abused? Because we see a lot of activism going on in journalism now. Well, let's get to what an anonymous source is, Mm -hmm. because apparently it has a different meaning for everybody. An anonymous source is something that you and your news management Uh, all know together. I don't trust any reporter who's the only person keeping the information because we get kidnapped and killed all over the world. What are you trying to do? Like you got to tell somebody. Off the record includes, and you should tell people when you take people off the record, look, ask Connie Chung. Between you and me is always a point where people tune in with a microphone, honey. Mm -hmm. So the way we as journalists are, are trained to do is I will make the determination with you and my news management off the record. Now, a lot of times, if I know I'm going to do an interview, I'll check in with our senior vice president of daytime and I'll say, look, if I'm called off the record, where do we stand on that? And we'll talk about the parameters of that. Uh, We would much prefer Harris that would be on background, which means if you can corroborate whatever information they give you with other sources, you can use it. Because the reason somebody wants to go off the record is because they don't want the finger pointed at them. But anonymous sources is something different. Because anonymous sources can be someone that you don't want to tell the public about. Well, then say off the record. You know, I, I, and then if it's off the record, cooperate it in a different way so you can put it on the record. But when you say anonymous sources, I start to get nervous because are the sources also anonymous to the reporter? Did you have a blind phone conversation? 
assume everything is recorded. Most of us live in one party states anyway, so I can record somebody. I don't have to get their permission. Mm -hmm. I always tell young reporters, be careful when somebody says between you and me, and I want to remain anonymous. Be careful the promises that you make, because if they go out and kill somebody and they told you about it, you go into prison. Wow, I didn't, I didn't realize that. Like you, 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 you better be clear on what was on and off the record, what you knew, why you knew it. Because if they recorded and you didn't know and you're in a one-party state and they play the tape for the cop, well, you know, Harris Faulkner knew. Gianna Caldwell, I told him. Mm. I guess he thought we really, really were, you know, not going to tell anybody, but I felt like I could tell somebody and that reporter didn't talk me out of it. I mean, look, even if you don't go anywhere behind bars, you gotta you got to spend your hard-earned cash to try to defend yourself. Mm -hmm. I, anonymous sources make me nervous. Tell the public, I've learned this on background. I've been able to source it to other people outside my original source who would like to remain unnamed. But anonymous, we get into, we get into trouble with that concept of someone not knowing anything about mm. an individual. Look, it didn't even work out for Assange. Yeah, that's true. You know, I mean... And it's okay to have quiet sourcing on things. It's responsible, especially, you know, if I've had victims of rape come to me uh, and their, their alleged rapist was very high profile. And what do we do? Well, I'm not going to out the names of a, of a rape victim. We, we, we know the bylaws of journalism that you can get somebody killed. So the point isn't to say an anonymous source told me, blah, blah, blah. No, the point is, I've spoken exclusively and off the record with a victim. But utilize some of the detail to be able to work on the record sources to tell you the following. The nursing home story. Couldn't even get a return email from the governor of New York, and they knew I had solid information. So I found a nurse in Boston who was a young woman, assigned, had come here, saw the governor on TV and said, oh, they need my help in the middle of the pandemic. I'll go stay at a Times Square hotel with a bunch of nurses and doctors and, and go volunteer and, at particularly nursing homes. That's where she was put. Take a few pictures. That's what she did. Mm -hmm. And by the third day, she was crying to her family. She was like, I'm seeing things. People are dying. They aren't giving us PPE. Oh, the story got bigger. And I do something on the Faulkner Focus and previously outnumbered over time because my show used to follow outnumbered. Now it comes previous to it. They are previous. But I, I do something. I'm looking out for you. So I always tell the viewer if something's going on, that's the local news part of me. And you know that it's wrong. And you want somebody to look into it. Don't forget where I am. Hmm. I mean, my roots are an investigative journalism. My husband's one of the best investigators I've ever met, investigative journalist. I always say I didn't have an Emmy before I met my Tony. <laughs> and, um, asking questions and, and he's so friendly. People don't even know. Oh, yes, I killed him. It's like, oh! <laughs> How do you get people to tell you things? So, you know, when journalists say that they have anonymous sources, I have to start to ask, well, are the sources anonymous to you? Do you know who they are? Have you shared with your news management the parameters of the secret keeping that you're doing? Is anybody's life in danger by what you're holding on to? Mm -hmm. 
These are things that have to be talked about. Now, they don't talk about the lunchroom, but that's how it works. And most people don't know the drill down, down on that. Reporters are made to look like, you know, superheroes. Oh, they know this and they know that. We know things because people tell us and show us things. And if we're really good at our jobs, we'll match the facts that they're telling us with the perspective and the context of doing information gathering around those facts to try to get to the whole story. So in, in essence, it can easily be abused, but that's why you got to be able to source things for yourself yeah. and not just trust an anonymous source in that way. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, you'll hear me say this on the air all the time. So-and-so is reporting. Even if it's Reuters or AP, they'll say uh, a source only known to Reuters or you know, I don't ever see them use the word anonymous source necessarily, but they'll say, you know, we've done quiet sourcing on this or whatever. And I'll always say, I at Fox News cannot independently verify. Yes. I do it with video all the time. The, you know, the AP will say this video shows and I'm like, well, it purports to show that. Yes. But the, you never get the whole clip. And there's always that point where just outside the finger that was covering the lens <laughs> in the next clip, the finger gets moved and you're like, oh, my gosh, that's Bob. Oh, we do know. <laughs> whatever, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. But they'll send you some weirdly edited video or whatever, and it purports to show is what I'll say. And until we can, we do that with video from, from different countries. I'll say, you know, uh, this video appears to show blah, blah, blah. Now, if it's the Iron Dome and they're firing rockets from Gaza and blowing up houses, we all can see that. Right, absolutely. Guy who apparently is doing this, we found out in that conflict that's going on right now between Hamas, the terrorist organization, and Israel, uh, they now aren't just doing stuff in the air. They're, they're doing stuff on the ground. Uh, and and yeah. the Palestinian people who are caught in the center of this and the Israeli people who are caught in the center of this, it's, it's heartbreaking. But it, it very much is. Hamas is a terrorist group, and when they do stuff, we may not be able to call the terrorist name, but we know where the rockets are coming from. So that's kind of different. But when you look at video and you're asked to believe something based on a little bit that's been edited, that's when it's time to go deeper. And what I want to see among our young journalists, Gianno, I want to see that suspension of automatic belief when somebody tells you something. And to my next point and my next question to you, because I, I think that's a, the perfect jump off, I want to go through a couple of egregious examples of the media really messing up news stories and then get your thoughts on them. I'm sure you saw the Washington Post report in early January that President Trump pressured Georgia's top election investigator to, quote, find a fraud in the 2020 election. It turns out that the Post reporting was blatantly false. In fact, two months later, the paper stated that it misquoted Trump's comments on the phone call in question and that he never actually said find a fraud. This seems to be like it should be pretty straightforward. Just listen to the recording of the phone call and report what was said. How can a professional journalist mess that up unless they want to make the president look bad? It just seems I don't understand that piece. Well, first of all, anybody looking at that, a news manager or whomever, has got to be, and this is the word that's key, curious enough to say, let's listen to the whole call as we have it. They reported a half-truth because, undoubtedly, they reported half of what was on that tape. They didn't listen to it. When you listen to it, you see, you hear the context and the perspective of what the president was saying because you hear all of his words. That's case in point of what I was just saying. You've got to be curious enough to listen to the whole thing. And then to, did anybody pick up the phone and say, Mr. President, we're about to go with the story. What did you mean when you said this? 
That makes your story more powerful, by the way, because then you can say, well, we have this tape. And when we first got this tape, we were told it said one thing. Now we realize when you really listen to the whole thing, it says this. We contacted the current president, who, by the way, there were very few times you couldn't get Trump on the phone to say something if you really, really tried, either him or one of his people. Um, You might even play the tape for them. And then you get the benefit of asking, well, where were you on this issue? You get the benefit of asking. And oh, by the way, if you do your job really well and you sit down with the president of the United States at the height of the pandemic and rioting in the streets of this country last June of 2020, and he tries to tell you that he's done more for black folk than Lincoln, because you know your history and you know his, you get to say this, Mr. President, we are free. Yeah, that's it. You get to say that because you you're you're a student of history, and I'm talking about myself last year. And then that's when you sat down with the president. That's when you sat down with President Trump in Texas at a mega church, like 14 hours before you had to quarantine to come back to our houses, and we would have been staying in hotels trying to get home. The pandemic was on fire at that point. And why do I say all of that? Because then we got to further the conversation. We went even deeper and had conversations about race, the looting and the shooting. Well, it came from here, Mr. President. It came from here. And I told him. And, you know, in my career, there have been probably, count on one hand, times when other journalists write about my work in mainstream. Columbia Journalism Review wrote a whole article about that interview and how to do it. Mm-hmm. It takes patience and preparation. And you gain the respect of the person across from you because you're willing to do two things. Ask real questions and listen to their answers completely. And don't edit them to the point where their answers are unrecognizable when they hit the air. Like Ron DeSantis. Is that your next example? No, no, no. I mean, that that just came that you said edited. And um, I think back to that interview he did for the that Sunday show and um, the masking about COVID and donations by the grocery store. And I mean, it, it seems as though, again, activism and journalism trying to, especially for those who may be conservative, trying to make them appear in a light that isn't true. And one has to ask, um, where are we going with this? Because it's gotten to the point where you really can't trust the media in the sense that we used to. You used to say, okay, well, the AP reported it. uh, The New York Times reported it. This other outlet reported it. Sure, I I believe what they're saying because obviously they're going to source their information independently, you would assume, but we're seeing a lot of headlines, um, especially under the last four years of Trump, where things were just simply put not true. It was like in a lot of cases. And clearly he's willing to sit down and take tough questions and and as president and and after. Um, So getting at the truth is, is not impossible to do, but you have to want it. You have to actually want the truth more than you want the narrative that you and maybe your news manager sent you in to get. Yeah, I mean, you have to want the truth. And, you know, one that I think of now is all of the rhetoric. And Liz Cheney was one of them, too. Going after former President Trump on the bounties. She really was. Oh, yeah. Like, she's getting, you know, Democratic love right now because Republicans fired her recently from the conference chair post. But let's not forget who we're talking about here. Like, there was no information that there were bounties on the heads of American soldiers. That's right. It was being reported. And and the president, oh, why didn't you press 
uh, Russia and blah, 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 blah. And then you find out that wasn't actually true. Mm-hmm. And I've had senators on my program say, we looked at the intel at the time. If there was a country putting bounties on the head of American soldiers, look how many serving members of Congress and, and the Senate, of the House and Senate, are former military. My gosh, we'd be on fire to, to go do something about that. But the intel showed that that wasn't the case. Yet, and you would expect people across the political aisle to run with it because it serves their political purposes. But how did some of the media get there? And this is and this is what really becomes because I remember PM, people going you know, the intel community going on politically. Politically, yeah, no question about it. But it's it's amazing to me to see so many in the media reported as as the gospel, and they've done such a job to turn. Kind of the main, you know, not center America, not not the flyover states per se, but folks in New York, folks in L.A., make them believe that they can't trust what goes on in conservative media because it's so, quote unquote, so biased. But then you look at things that are being said over with The New York Times and other outlets where it's just, uh, frankly, just not founded, not true. And people will believe a story, simply put, because it was in The New York Times. Now, I'm, I'm interested in knowing from you. Fox is obviously, and I work for Fox News Channel. Everybody knows that is listening to. So um, what makes Fox different than all the others? Clearly, we've been the number one voice and uh, number one watch for many, many years. Um, clearly, you're a real journalist who has integrity and you want to get to the story. You want to get to the facts, no matter how it makes anyone look, whether it be a Donald Trump or a Republican or Democrat. Facts are facts. And that's what it is. What makes us so different than the rest? I'm not afraid to go counter to any narrative that's there. I'm not. And I, I think we are bold and we are scrappy at Fox. And we have a healthy sense of skepticism. And I don't believe something that is written just because it's in the Times or the Post. But even that young journalist on her first day in her mid-20s didn't believe it then. First of all, I know everybody has an agenda. Everybody's got a point of view. And I learned in in school that there's no such thing as being without bias. We all have biases. You have to be objective and and a truth uh, searcher and a truth seeker. But we all come to the table with our life experiences and our point of view. And sometimes they can serve as well to ask even better questions. So I think it's too much to assume that anybody is going to come at their job without a point of view. The question is, can they still be professional? And at Fox, we're different. We, we don't hide the fact that we're hungry at all times, starved for what we don't see. Because see, we're going to get eight plates of what everybody sees. We're really interested in what's behind all of it, what's underneath, what's behind the curtain. And that's really what makes us different. And you know, when you look at the current administration, the Biden administration, we're more than 100 days now, there are simultaneous crises going on. And I know they don't like the word crisis. So let's use what the words really are. They're disaster. <laughs> right. <laughs> On multiple fronts. 
You sent FEMA to our border with Mexico because we had 172,000 people flowing over. You sent FEMA to disaster. And that's in one month, the number you just quoted, April. Yeah, those are the most recent numbers. We had a disaster go on. After you canceled Keystone Pipeline in your first day, President Biden. $2 billion in wages. Then we really could have used some extra oil when Colonial got hacked. And, and I don't even think you knew all the details of that because they played some ransom of $5 million. And you might have wanted to know that we could see another one next week based on that behavior. If I'm a hacker, I'm going, dang, this pays. <laughs> right, right. Those American companies are crazy. Come on, come on. Right. As bad as that may sound, it's... Got some truth to it because we don't have all eyes on the topic. And when the president was asked about it today, he leaned in and said no comment. And not a reporter among them shouted, what do you mean by no comment? You don't know or you don't want us to know. Get on the record with that stuff. They were all over Trump. Which is why when I sat down with him, I respected his time. He took questions, every question. And I realized that that's part of a president's job, and he accepted that. Yes. I don't know if Biden wants that part of his job. I mean, it, it looks like maybe he doesn't or he's been told not to want it. Uh, he said today, oh, you know, I, I hate not to take your I love taking your question. And then he took two or three and walked away. And I'm like, well, if that's how you express love for taking questions, <laughs> what in the world does it look like when you don't want to? Oh, they're the same thing. Hmm. I'm so confused. We got a lot going on that feel like and are legitimate disasters. What's happening at our police departments now, look at New York. Mayor de Blasio just said he wants to, yeah, he wants to take another look at that defund situation. They took away a billion dollars in the midst of all the rioting last summer and it didn't even get anybody off the streets right away. Like the streets don't, they're insatiable. They don't have any leadership on the streets. I mean, the, the women who founded BLM, the organization, not the movement, they're busy buying houses. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> Vacations. Anyway, right. If they were, they'd be going to Chicago where black on black crime is off the shizzle. You know, I know a lot about that. I know you do. Yeah. I know you do. And I, I hope you talk to your audience about the truth in these matters because they won't see it depending on what they're watching. They need to be watching Bob. Now, you, you were talking about Biden. Do, do you get the, the sense that maybe he's being controlled? That's why he doesn't. Give questions because you'll see oftentimes when uh, it comes time for that period, his staff will say, yeah, we're not going to do any questions or he'll ask them. Now, I get it. A president will allow some discretion when it comes to their staff, but it seems as though he's really been withheld in some of these instances. To me, it does. And I'm not sure about your your thoughts on that. So I brought up a point on that number that the panel seemed to really agree with today. Um, so I don't think anybody ended up being outnumbered in this conversation, but I, I just made an observation based on my own journalistic experience. Um, sometimes people don't want others to take questions because they are concerned that certain language may be used that the administration is working on purging. So why would Harris Walker say that about President Biden and his administration? Because we know that they don't like to say the word crisis. Mm -hmm. They don't. And we know that he did. And when he said it, his press secretary and others corrected him publicly. The president was not correct when he called his word. That is humiliating. Yeah, it is. It's like you're talking about your child at that point. A hundred percent. So my question today is, 
Who is the president capitulating to that he feels that he needs to be cut to his knees when it comes to how he wants to talk about things? The most powerful man, probably on the planet, but certainly in the free world, the Western world. And the interesting part about that, though, this isn't the first time that's happened. If you recall, during uh, his time as vice president of the Obama administration, he gave an interview where he endorsed gay marriage and the Obama administration did not want to. And he was pushed on the sideline. No more media interviews for months, months, months on end, if you recall that that time. So he uh, certainly is a person that you would naturally see go off script. But the distinction here is you're president. What you say should go and you tell your staff what to do, not the other way around. It's not. It doesn't. And, you know, you bring up such an excellent point, Gianna. Back then it was going off script counter to administration. Mm -hmm. Right now it is counter script to administration. We don't know who Joe Biden is because he's not allowed to tell us. And if you think he's showing us through his progressive ways of things that he signed on his first day, executive orders and all these, the killing the pipeline and, and raising taxes and doing all these things since, he's definitely showing us the ways of the most progressive people in his party. And when Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez in the prior days to the election in 2020 was caught up with by cameras on Capitol Hill and walking fast and they said what are you going to do about joe biden if he doesn't want to kind of go left with you the reporters i don't know who they were in my head that's how they all sound <laughs> um, so and i guess i sound like that too when i'm running no, no. But, uh she said oh we're gonna push him yeah she said you know what believe people when they show you who they are they're pushing him absolutely the question is why does the most powerful man allow that like what is going on behind the scenes for joe biden that he says words like, oh, I can't, I can't say anything about, I'll get in trouble. <laughs> so, you know, he's fully vaccinated and I know he's an older man and, and you do want to protect him. He's the president of the United States. I get it. He's at an outdoor event. That's a car event. Everybody's masked. The cars are, I don't know how far away, but you couldn't see him in the picture. He can't find his mask. He's taken it off suddenly. And he's on this big dais and, and people are running to him, including his wife, Jill Biden. And he leans in the microphone, I can't find my mask, I'm gonna be in trouble. What does he mean? That, I mean, I, I have children, I have, I have a sixth grader. She knows the meaning of the words, I'm in trouble. I'm so blessed with bright, well-behaved, super smart girls. Every now and then, they have a mouth on them like their mother and they'll say something, I'm like, no, don't get in trouble. Who's the Harris Faulkner in Joe Biden's life? At this point, we need to put him on the show. Are you smarter than the sixth grader? I mean, we need to find out. This is a real question. We production companies, where are you? We really need to know that. You know, it's uh, thank you for your insight on that, because I, I know not everyone's. We're not all crazy to be thinking that something is up uh, with the, the Biden administration. It just doesn't make it's not making sense. We had the idea that Kamala Harris was going to be running the show. And if she's running the show, she's not doing too good of a job at it because we've not seen her on the border. Yeah, that one job. <laughs> Have you seen her on the border yet? They give her a disaster to go handle. Yeah. This is the thing. If you're not willing to go and put eyes and ears on something, how can you fix it? I, now, I look, I'm sure the woman is wonderful with children. I don't know how many diapers she's changed. But let me tell you from experience, I had a toddler and a newborn. I, I was changing 
Ooh, I've never seen so much mm -hmm. in my life. I have yet to be able to change a dirty diaper from a distance. <laughs> right. <laughs> Indeed. That doesn't happen. I mean, when you have mess to clean up, you gotta you gotta roll up your sleeves and get in there. Like, there's no way to do that from by proxy from a distance. So I'm not saying she doesn't have other responsibilities, but they gave her one job. So in addition to that one job, she has all these other things she needs to do, but that's her focus. And she says, you know, yeah, I'll get down there. You know, Biden, I'll get down there at, one, at some point. Well, she's echoing him. Or maybe he's echoing her. Yeah, we, we really don't know. This is... By the way, every time he, every time he says President Harris, you know I perk up. <laughs> 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 We're finding out the true president here is to switch gears a little bit. You know, I'm a bit interested in how is it being a, a, a black woman in journalism? How has being a black woman impacted your rise in journalism? And of course, have you experienced any racism or sexism in the industry? Because I do find it particularly interesting when they talk about the fact that they'll often say there's no black person who's hosting a daytime show uh, in cable television. And clearly you're that. We've heard that for many years. You are already hosting and they would often overlook you. And I'm pretty sure people don't want to point any audiences towards Fox News Channel, a place where that shouldn't exist, um, according to some uh, people on the left. So how do you feel? How did how did this contribute to your rise? What, what are you thinking here? Well, first of all, I, I'm kind of the the mindset of diamond and rock. It, it takes, you know, tough times to polish that rock into something that's valuable. And so I've always welcomed the challenges that have come my way because I understand that they are driven sometimes out of jealousy out of misunderstanding out of assumption out of a narrative that somebody has been handed that i don't fit so I, i've never i've never let it stop me i have let it shine me on me up um you know most recently when i was broadcasting at 1 p.m eastern i was beating broadcast networks in fact the third or fourth or fifth hour of the today show i don't know which one it was um or Good Morning America, the third hour, or whatever it was with Michael Strahan. I mean, there were shows that went off the air. Hmm. They were not approaching the ratings that we had on Outnumbered Overtime. I work very hard, and I do ascribe to the old adage of, you know, when they see a person of color coming, because there are not many of us who occupy the space as content drivers in our industry. You know, the people who actually have a say in, in creating shows. I'm a content driver. Mm -hmm. um, I'm a founding, not just talent member of Outnumbered. I helped create the foundation for that show with its predecessor. I, de I designed the pilots. Spent that money doing it. And the network backed it. So Outnumbered was something that I worked on for a while. And the power that you get in this industry to change lives for the people around you, to create a legacy point for people of color, for women, or as I say, just an American who's got a dream, comes from how valuable you make yourself on the job. And my goal all along, no matter the color of my skin or my gender or whatever, has, to, has been to create value for myself on the job. I wanna be that person that when big bosses have a problem, 
they call Harris Faulkner to eliminate him. Hmm. We got a problem at noon. Something, something's not rating. This was seven years ago, April 28th. We just celebrated our seventh anniversary birthday on, on Ember. Congratulations. What do, you, what do you have? Because they know I'm a content driver. I write. I produce shows. Like that's, I make I'm one of my Emmys. I mean, I edited the product. <laughs> so I'm all over everything in that sense. I want to understand, really, really understand how we do our business, our storytelling, our journalism, how is it done from the ground up. And there have been times that I know that I have been kept at bay because, well, you know, we want to send you on the story. It's what I call the black girl stories, where they only send you on things that where people of color are happening. And I'd had my fill of that early in my career, and I said, I want you to send me out on news, not just places where race is involved. You know, um, oh, well, and if that's my only value to me, to you, then let me out of my contract so I can go find somebody who will utilize me for everything mm-hmm. that I have going on. Not just the one thing that you consider to be a merit. I can't change the color of my skin. So if that's what you value most about me, I can't even enhance it. <laughs> I'm just what I am. Yeah. But if you're looking at my skills, I can enhance them. I can become more valuable to you day by day. And you know, Race now is used like a weapon by people who don't even deserve to utter it from their lips. Yeah, I agree. I'm losing an argument. You're racist. Right, (laughs) right. What is that? Look at some of the Democrats against Senator Tim Scott. The racial slurs that were hurled at him. Retweets from Democrat guests, not lawmakers necessarily, but strategists from my show. I haven't had them back on. Because they were retweeting that racist slur that Twitter curated to make a trend. That wasn't an algorithm that did that. Twitter execs have human bodies that make stuff trend. I wasn't aware of that. Oh, yeah. Oh, I got all deep. We covered that story for days on on, uh, Faulkner Focus because I said, look, it trended on Twitter because somebody decided that Uncle Tim, the take on Uncle Tom, was incendiary and would further divide people and drive traffic all over the platform, jump. And that's what they did. And it took them 11 hours after much requesting and everything, it took them 11 hours to take down that racial tweet and to, and to make it not fiery every time somebody clicked on it or retweeted it. Twitter did what it wanted to. And thereby encouraged people to keep retweeting it. And many of them look just like you and me. And how could we do that to someone, anyone, but let alone someone who looks like us? But, you know, um, again, we started this conversation about bias. See, I see it differently. I don't think that's just bias. I think that's hate. Absolutely. I don't disagree. We need to pause here for a quick break, but we'll be back in a second. Tired of restless nights? Meet Lisa, the sleep expert. Here at Lisa, we know that good sleep is essential for mental, physical, and emotional health. That's why their mattresses are made for exceptional comfort and support, catering to every sleep need. 
Check out Lisa Sapira Hybrid Mattress, named best hybrid mattress five years running. Sleep hot? The Chill Collection is built with cool-to-the-touch top fabric and layers of high-density comfort foams, all intended to remove excess body heat while maximizing comfort. With Lisa, getting a new mattress has never been easier. Delivery is free, and you have 100 nights to try out your mattress in the comfort of your home. Don't spend another night dreaming of better sleep. For a limited time, save up to $700 off select mattresses plus two free pillows. Go to lisa.com forward slash iHeart for an additional $50 off mattresses and select goods. That's l-e-e-s-a.com forward slash iHeart. Exclusions apply. See lisa.com for more details. Hey, have you ever used Cheapo Air? For years, and I really like it. With Cheapo Air, you can book online, use their app, or even over the phone. They've got great prices on over 500 airlines and millions of accommodations. They're my go-to for travel planning. And if you join their Club Miles program, you can earn points to save on the cost of your travel. Book on the app, and you get double points. Sounds like it's time I tried Cheapo Air. Call Cheapo Air at 855-247-3279 or visit CheapoAir.com slash podcast. I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. The stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening. You've been public about the fact that you're you're married, um, you have an interracial marriage, and you have biracial kids. And you get a lot of hate for, for that, don't you? Oh, yeah. And, you know, now I'm starting to disengage a little bit with people on those issues on platforms because my children are getting older, and my biracial children are being told. I had to have a, a conversation with a, a woke school administrator not too many days ago. I, I'll skip names and places and dates, but, um, well, you know, we're trying to teach the children of color um, understanding about their journey. And I said, well, my child's journey is to get an education. Are we studying history and science and those things? Well, but we want them to understand that they're black and white. Oh, you don't think they know? Have you, have you seen my daughter's hair texture? We can go from fabulously Diana Ross wig looking naturally to a blowout honey that'll make a Kardashian look like she fell into a salon. <laughs> we got everything covered here. So what are you teaching my girls? I mean, I need for you to teach them the part that I'm not teaching them while I'm at work. Oh, well, you know, we pride ourselves on, this is the administrator, on giving the child the full experience. And I said, well, what, what is a full experience for a biracial child to you? Well, they must fully understand that society sometimes may be confused about who they are and they have to choose. And I'm like, choose what? Well, I can see that this is going in circles. I said, I'm glad you can see it. Because <laughs> I'd hate to give you a wrong impression. <laughs> I mean, I do find that people want to be helpful. I also find that they are willful in their own ignorance because what they don't understand is that the greatest help you can give me and my kids and my friend Gianna Caldwell is a shot at the American dream and to call us American first. And I don't want you to give me a shot because I'm going to take one. <laughs> That's it. That's it. 
we made up in our minds we're not asking for permission we're going in we're going to put we're going to put our all out there and someone will recognize it we'll put points on the board and the the person who says yeah i think that guy or that girl deserves a shot they'll be the lucky one and i don't even use the word luck they'll be the blessed one yeah i love that and you know there there is nothing wrong with loving everybody people hate people to love somebody that that's one thing that i think we learned in 2020 with people in the streets the peaceful protesters were side by side and they were from every walk of life. Absolutely. They supported each other. And George Floyd's death was murder. The president of the United States, Donald Trump, and I sat and talked about that. And I, and he said, you know, he was curious about my perspective on it. And I said, well, for me, Floyd called out my name. He called out mom. Mm-hmm. So I came to it from a different perspective when I watched that videotape. And I love that conversation with the president. I mean, I like having real conversations with people. And if we learn nothing from last year, it is that we are in this together. And look at some of the peaceful protesters and look at the people that we have in our lives. Most of us, you know, you hear people talking about communities of color. Well, we live in America and there are people from all all walks of life and neighborhoods. Now there are poor neighborhoods, middle-class neighborhoods, but but I like to say that neighborhoods belong to all of us. Mm -hmm. And if there's a place that's hurting, like your former home in Chicago, the protesters should go there and help. Look at Baltimore. Have you seen the statistics for them right now? Yeah, it's horrible. But they're the most like dangerous place in America. Yeah. Look at those numbers, Gianno. Where are the protesters? Where are the protesters? I guess they don't want to protest those Democrats who were in office and have been in office in that in that city for, what, 45 years or something? Even New York City, you see the dial up of, of the crime and the violence, uh, a place which everyone celebrated. New York City is an American city. It's, it was a crown jewel for, for so long. And things went awry uh, when they allow people to kind of run wild in the streets. And it's, it's very disappointing, but thankfully we've seemingly turned at least a bit of a page and hopefully things can go in the right direction, especially with new leadership in these cities. Now, I want to, before we let you go, because I know that you have a very, very valuable time and I appreciate that. And thank you for spending so much of it with me. For my final question, I want to shift from the media to your upbringing. You grew up in a military family and we know that your dad God rest his soul, is no longer with us. He was a military man. And in 2018, you wrote uh, the best-selling book, Nine Rules of Engagement, A Military's Brat's Guide to Life and Success. Can you talk a bit about what it was like growing up in a military family and how that shaped you as to who you are today and what you believe? Thank you for mentioning my father. We did lose him on Christmas Day, 2020. So it's been a tough six months without dad. We're seeing some of the first, you know, post that period, uh, holidays, Easter and Mother's Day and upcoming Father's Day without him. And he was such a huge pillar in our family, not not just my immediate family, but all across the state of Texas where my parents were from. And I was born on a military base in Atlanta, Georgia, uh, lived in Stuttgart, Germany, He was at Command College at Leavenworth, Kansas, lived there, Fort Leavenworth, Fort Monmouth, New Jersey. And throughout all of that moving around, um, I was born, raised, and transferred. I'm a brat. 
and I have always known who I am and whose I am. And I belong to the Lord and I am dedicated to this country. And it just so happens that I chose a profession that is mentioned in the Constitution as such, First Amendment, free speech. I really am dedicated to holding the powerful accountable. And I'm dedicated to this idea in the pursuit of happiness and all things are possible. Um, my father was called to serve in the Vietnam War at a time when colors only signs were up and whites here and blacks there and we were in the South. And um, he used to say to his brothers, and they said this at his funeral, huge military uh, cemetery in Dallas National, Dallas Fort Worth National, very cold day and after Christmas in 2020. Um, and you could hear my uncle's voices echoing because of course we were all socially distanced. And they said, our brother Bob used to say that he would rather serve America than any other nation in the world because even though she may struggle, the most potential for all of us, any of us is here. So I grew up believing that and knowing that and I don't have any doubt about that. So if we can make it through the 50s and 60s and early 70s, we can make it through 2020, 21 and beyond. Um, but we really have to think for ourselves and we really have to be dedicated to, to goodness. So I think of it this way, the more we support each other and those in our, our neighborhoods, the better off life is gonna be. So get to know your neighbors, especially if they're police officers. You never know when you might have to call 911. Get to know all of your neighbors. If they're in trouble and they have people in their lives where they need some shoring up, mental health is not a crime. Mm -hmm. If you know of someone who hasn't left their house in a while and they want to go get a vaccination and they need help getting there, put on a mask and go get them. I'm fully vaccinated, so if it's outside, I will anyway. <laughs> but help people out. Because the government doesn't have control over your heart. And that's how I was raised military. You lift up people when they need your help. Wow, that was really, that was very deep. Thank you for that, uh, for that impactful word and sharing your faith with us, sharing your, your journey, your knowledge about an industry that really is supposed to provide that level of integrity and transparency when it comes to reporting. Just the facts. Uh, as a journalist, opinion folks are totally different ball games. We get that. But certainly, thank you for... for it's a business model. It is, it is, it is. And it does quite well. Let's <laughs> Be prepared. As my mom used to say, every squirrel gets a nut. So every now and then the opinion folk may stumble up on some truth and they can work with it. Um, but it's our job to, to bring all of it to bear and to let the audience utilize that in their lives. Thank you so much for joining me today. And before I let you go, do you have anything, uh, new projects coming out? You got another book you're working on? What's next well, for you? You know, I always have something going on. So I, I will do specials, primetime specials. Um, I recently did a, a, the second uh, now, which I think is going to be a series that I'm, I'm dedicated to. And that is looking at Police in America. In fact, that was the title of it. It was only a couple of weeks ago. So I'm, I'm already thinking um, 
where America needs to go with this whole idea of law and order. I think it's really important. Um, and so that's that's kind of what I am working on. I, I'm also, you know, Faulkner Focus is only two months old. And so I'm building out that show and sticking my toe back in the studio now and coming up with some ideas. So when, when I'm back in there with Kaylee McEnany and, and Emily Campagno on Outnumbered regularly, we'll be back for three days next week because they're house hunting and doing other things coming from the, you know, from Florida, from the West Coast, Seattle, wherever. So as soon as we're all kind of back in studio for more than just a few days at a time, um, I'm going to be focusing a lot on the shows that I do and coming forth with some new ideas for that because I like to freshen. And of course, having you on and having deep conversations, I'm really dedicated to bringing video now to the Faulkner Focus. Um, that's my new thing. This week we had all of that exclusive video of people crossing the border illegally and our cameras were there and the Border Patrol was completely outnumbered. Wow. And people need to know that. And, and to pitch an idea to you, the summer's heating up in Chicago. Send me as your man on the street there to cover what's really going on in the communities. Oh, my gosh. Well, no, I have other places I want to send you, too. I mean, if you're really into it. Yeah, I'm really into it. Let's go. No, 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 no. We need to go. We need to go see those communities by the Colonial Pipeline. We need to know what the reality of that situation really has been on the ground. I'm absolutely with you. Women have gone viral beating each other up because somebody cut in line at a gas station when the Biden administration said that there were no shortages. And then today said, well, there might have been. We're trying to solve it by the weekend. We, we need you. Absolutely. I'm ready to go. Because yeah. I want to know the truth about that, about that situation. And would the, would the Keystone Pipeline have helped? And those foremen that I had on my show at the time, when at the time it's January 20th for goodness sakes it's not like it was that long ago and Biden said we don't need Keystone I'm here to tell you the facts on the ground show us differently he's deregulating that's a Republican concept <laughs> yeah, because what he's doing is not working so he's deregulating um, the parameters so that ships who don't even have U.S. flags can bring can bring those tankers in what you had you had oil. Okay. And then you say, find a new job in green you energy. If I have a project, you might be my project. Let's go. <laughs> yeah, because I mean, I, I'm curious. I want, and now that I'm traveling again, I mean, I'll, I'll go pop up. I've done border shows before. I did a primetime special on immigration right in the middle of the 2016 primary season. That's when you go. It's time. Absolutely. When Republicans get ready to flip the House and the Senate. And you know that's more than possible. It's historically what generally happens. It typically is, you yes. You want something with me. You say you want to go find the truth, and I say I want you to, too. Okay. Send me, I'll go. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, thank you again, Harris. You're the crown jewel of reporting and, obviously, journalism in America. I think most people would agree with that because the survey shows <laughs> that you're the most trusted voice at Fox News Channel and certainly one of the most trusted in our industry. So thank you for joining Out Loud with Gianna Caldwell, Ms. Harris Faulkner. Thank you for having me. Take care. I want to thank Harris Faulkner again for a great interview. If you're enjoying the show, please leave us a review and rate us with five stars on Apple Podcasts. If you have any questions for me, please email me at outloud at gingrich360.com and I'll try to answer them in our future episodes. And please sign up for my monthly newsletter at gingrich360.com slash 
out loud. You can also find me on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and Parler at Gianno Caldwell. And if you're interested in learning more about my story, please pick up a copy of my best-selling book titled Taken for Granted, How Conservatism Can Win Back the Americans That Liberalism Failed. Special thanks to our producer, John Cassio, researcher Aaron Klingman, and executive producers Debbie Myers and speaker Newt Gingrich, all part of the Gingrich 360 Network. Hey, have you ever used Cheapo Air? For years, and I really like it. With Cheapo Air, you can book online, use their app, or even over the phone. They've got great prices on over 500 airlines and millions of accommodations. They're my go-to for travel planning. And if you join their Club Miles program, you can earn points to save on the cost of your travel. Book on the app, and you get double points. Sounds like it's time I tried Cheapo Air. Call Cheapo Air at 855-247-3279 or visit CheapoAir.com slash podcast. Good sleep should come naturally, and with the new Natural Hybrid mattress, it can. A collaboration between Lisa and West Elm, the Natural Hybrid is expertly crafted from natural latex, natural wool, and certified safe foams to elevate your sleep sanctuary and support a greener tomorrow. Plus, every purchase helps fuel Lisa's work with shelters and those in need. Don't put off a good night's sleep any longer. Get a Lisa mattress today for a sound sleep tonight. Visit lisa.com slash iHeart. That's l-e-e-s-a dot com slash I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. Stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening.